Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. <clears throat> we have a terrific show for you today, including guest William Yateman. He's a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. We'll also visit with Timothy Head, <clears throat> executive director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. They just completed a big conference in Washington, D.C. Dr. Zudi Jasser is a the uh, founder and president of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy is the author of The Battle for the Soul of Islam. We'll do an assessment on the terror threat from our open borders. And we'll also visit with uh, Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, author of many books, and his column as well in Newsmax.com. It is June the 30th. Can you believe it? it's the last day of the first six months of the year? And on this day in 1520, faced with an Aztec revolt against their rule, forces under Spanish conquistador Hernán Cortés uh, fought their way out of Tetrocleton at a heavy cost. Known to the Spanish as La Noche Triste, Triste, or the Night of Sadness, many soldiers drowned in the lake when the vessel carrying them and the Aztec treasures hoarded by Cortés sank. <clears throat> Montezuma, the Aztec emperor, who became merely a subject of Cortes in the previous year, was also killed during the struggle. Tenochtitlan was founded in 1325 by a wandering tribe of hunters and gatherers on islands in uh, Lakes Tococo, near the present site of Mexico City. In only one century, the civilization grew into the Aztec Empire, due largely to the advanced system of agriculture. The empire became to dominate uh, the central Mexico, and the ascendance of Montezuma II in 1502 had reached its greatest extent, <clears throat> reaching as far as south as perhaps modern-day Nicaragua. At the time, the empire was held together primarily by Aztec military strength, and Montezuma II set about establishing a bureaucracy, creating provinces that would pay tribute to the imperial capital of Tenochtitlan, the uh, conquered people resented the Aztec demands for tribute and uh, victims for the re religious sacrifices, but the Aztec military kept rebellion at bay. Meanwhile, Cortes, a young Spanish-born noble, came to Hispaniola in uh, West Indies in 1504. In 1511, he sailed with uh, Diego, Diego Velasquez to conquer Cuba and twice was elected mayor of Santiago, the capital of Hispaniola. In 1518, he was appointed capital, a captain general of a new Spanish expedition to the American mainland. Valesquez, the governor of Cuba, later rescinded the order, and Cortes sailed without permission. He visited the coast of Yucatan and in March 1519 landed at Tabasco in Mexico's Bay of Campeche with 500 soldiers, 100 sailors and 16 horses. There he went over the locals and was given enslaved woman, Maliche, uh, baptized as Marina, who later bore him a son. She knew Maya and uh, Aztec and served as an interpreter. The expedition proceeded up the Mexican coast where Cortez founded Veracruz, mainly for the purpose of having himself elected captain general by the colony, thus shaking off the authority of Velasquez and making him responsible only to King Charles V of Spain. This is such a fascinating story because you can see uh, agriculture basically led to the Aztecs taking over power in Mexico. And I think it was the horses that they brought. It, it seems, uh, from what I'm reading, that the horses were kind of a, a strange and wonderful development for these Aztecs to see uh, Cortez riding in uh, and... Uh, what he demonstrated, I think, was a new type of power that was uh, uh, really lauded by Montezuma and the Aztecs. Make a long story short, though, all this led to Montezuma 
that led to Cortes becoming the ruler of a vast Mexican empire. Not without, there are a lot of battles and a lot of change of power and intrigue and so forth, but it's such a fascinating story. Uh, all this, Cortes becoming the ruler of a vast Mexican empire. Uh, the big news is, of course, the Supreme Court ruled to ban the consideration of race as part of admissions decisions at colleges, including Harvard University and the University of North Carolina, ending decades-long practice known as affirmative action. Chief Justice John Roberts wrote for the six-member majority to undo the lasting impacts of the landmark 1978 case Regents of the University of California versus Bakke, which upheld race-conscious admissions at universities. The majority held that nothing in this opinion should be construed as prohibiting universities from considering an applicant's discussion of how race affected his or her life, uh, be it through discrimination, inspiration, or otherwise. But, despite the dissent's assertion to the contrary, universities may not simply establish through application, essays, or other means the regime uh, we hold unlawful today. Justice Clarence Thomas added that he would be high, he would highly doubt universities could carry on with considering race in admissions policies with the new test that was established in this decision. In the future, universities wishing to discriminate based on race and admissions must articulate and justify a compelling and measurable state interest based on concrete evidence. Given the strictures set out by the court, I highly doubt, said Thomas, uh, any will be able to do so. Banning the use of affirmative action will force elite colleges to reinvent their policies and find new ways to ensure diversity and their student populations without using race as a consideration. Several universities have expressed concerns in legal briefs that decision to overturn affirmative action could result in a fewer minority students on campuses. I have my doubts about that. We'll talk about that in a little while. <clears throat> College admissions are down, and I think uh, colleges are pretty desperate to get those classes filled up, so I don't think it's going to hurt diversity at all. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas dropped a must-read concurring opinion in the high court's decision striking down affirmative action, praising American exceptionalism, deriding victimhood, and even taking aim squarely at fellow Justice Ketanji Brown-Jackson's dissent. Having been born into poverty in the Deep South during the Jim Crow era, Thomas had a poignant and powerful perspective on the issue. In the opinion released Thursday, he pulled no punches. The great failure of this country was slavery and its progeny, Thomas wrote, and the tragic failure of this court was its misinterpretation of the Reconstruction Amendments, as Justice Harlan predicted in Plessy. We should not repeat this mistake merely because we think, as our predecessors thought, the present arrangements are superior to the Constitution. Thomas went on to say that the ruling helps uh, move America closer to a more perfect union that lives up to the promise despite past racism. Why, while I am painfully aware of the social and economic ravages which have befallen my race and all those who suffer discrimination, I hold out enduring hope that this country will live up to its principles so clearly enunciated in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States, that all men are created equal, all equal citizens must be treated equally before the law, he said. Just think about that. What a wonderful statement. For all those who oppose the majority, he saved his sharpest works for Jackson, the high court's only other African-American author of a stinging dissent. Thomas wrote that Jackson's race-infused world view falls flat at each step. Individuals are the sum of their unique experiences, challenges, and accomplishments. What matters is not the barriers they face, but how they choose to confront them. And their race is not to blame for everything, good or bad, that happens in their lives. A contrary, myopic worldview based on individual skin color to the total exclusion of their personal choices is nothing short of racial determinism, he said. He went on warning of the dangers of relying on so-called experts to divvy up racial justice. Jackson then uh, builds from her faculty premise or faulty premise to call for action, arguing that courts should defer to experts and allow institutions to discriminate on the basis of race. I just really pre- appreciate how he's handled this. Looking forward to uh, talking with uh, William Yateman, senior legal fellow at the at uh, the Pacific Legal Foundation, about his thoughts on all this. But uh, uh, 
I think this just demonstrates uh, the greatness of uh, the great justice. President Joe Biden said the Supreme Court has reversed precedent in its decision to gut affirmative action in college admissions. The court has once again walked away from decades of precedent, Biden said in his remarks at the White House. Biden said he strongly disagrees with the court's decision and its impacts. This is not a normal court, Biden said in his remarks when asked on CNN's Arlen Cies whether he believed it was a rogue court. I mean, he's saying, look, uh, I believe in affirmative action. I believe in... Uh, I believe in uh, uh, race differentiation. I believe in, you know, you're taking you're taking my main theme away from how I'm going to govern this country right now. Well, Joe, uh, you're wrong. <clears throat> the Supreme Court has said so. By the way, President Joe Biden outlined his vision for the U.S. economy Wednesday in his much-hyped uh, speech about Bidenomics. In an afternoon speech to supporters in Chicago, Biden celebrated the nation's fundamental break from the economic theory that failed the middle class. Bidenomics, he said, would strengthen the middle class and raise wages through favorable treatment for organized labor, an expansion of welfare, tax credits for green industries such as solar panel manufacturers, and higher taxes on the wealthy. Yeah, he really said that. In the meantime, his son, Hunter, has failed to pay taxes on the ill-gotten gains from bilking other countries. He did not pay taxes on all that money. Bidenomics is about the future. Bidenomics is just another way of saying restore the American dream because it worked before, he said. So think about that. Unions, he's going to support unions. Uh, going to uh, expand welfare, tax credits for green industries. That is a one-way path to destruction. This message has proven to be a tough sell for the public so far. The inflation rate sits at just over 4%, roughly double what the Federal Reserve and most economics uh, consider healthy. Biden's approval rating is also at a nadir, with a plurality of voters to consistently citing the economy as their biggest concern. <clears throat> Economists uh, told the Washington Free Beacon that most of the economic gains in the White House is touting have little to do with Biden's agenda. But the pre- president's speech suggests the White House will not divert from their policies in the lead up to 2024. The president is banking on the hope that voters will change their opinions about the state of the economy after hearing about his legislative accomplishments over the last two years. Biden touted the various new spending initiatives, which total more than $4 trillion passed since he took office, bills such as the Inflation Reduction Act, which does obviously the opposite, Biden explained, are examples of three pillars of Bidenomics. So here are the pillars. First, make small investments in America, smart investments, I should say. Second, educate and empower American workers to grow the middle class. And third, promoting competitive competition to lower costs and help small businesses. Some economists are skeptical that Biden's policies have contributed to the nation's post-COVID-19 recovery. His $1.9 trillion American rescue plan that passed in March of 2020, they believe, is partially responsible for high inflation, and it certainly is. Well, and he's committed to uh, to this approach which I think he's probably more proud of being anti-Trump in that regard than he is in having a winning strategy to grow the economy. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with uh, William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Golf Shore Playhouse. Changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. I hope you visit the website to get some tickets, some great performances coming up. GolfShorePlayhouse.org. GolfShorePlayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dr. Zudi Jasser. He is the president and founder of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy. We'll be talking about the terrorist threats because of our open borders. Right now we have with us William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow. Uh, with the uh, Pacific Legal Foundation. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. Tell us about Pacific Legal, the Pacific Legal Foundation. You bet. Uh, We're a legal nonprofit, and we defend Americans for free from government overreach and abuse. Terrific organization. If I'm not mistaken, you just had a... uh, 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 I've forgotten the word for it, but anyhow, you filed a, a brief for the affirmative action case for the Supreme Court and uh, supported that effort. Indeed we did. So we filed an amicus. Um, We're among those who filed amicus uh, in support of the petitioners in um, this big affirmative action case, or a pair of cases that came down yesterday. Um, This is uh, Students for Fair Admissions versus the Presidents and Fellows of Harvard College. Um, And in short, the the court ended affirmative action at our nation's universities and colleges. Um, it, it said that this ran afoul of the Equal Protection Clause, um, which you know certainly makes sense to me. <laughs> that you know using race as a, a primary criterion to, to choose to pick and choose among who you uh, whom you allow entry into your school, um, you know it, it, it certainly does seem to violate the tenets of the Equal Protection Clause. So that is to say, you can't fight racism. Um, with racism. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, And so certainly to my ears, to to PLF's ears, this is a wonderful ruling. Um, And it it makes for a fairer America. Yeah, certainly does. I I think uh, it seems to me this is going to splash all over America, including employment and other areas, which hopefully will get us focused more back on excellence, uh, performance of uh, meritocracy, as opposed to in the politics of, uh, uh, you know, of racism and so forth. Good. From your lips to God's ears, um, I couldn't agree more. <clears throat> I will note, alas, you know, this DEI stuff has become paramount in many, especially sort of a, the, the 
uh, pedigree institutions, if you will. Yeah. Um, and you know the extent to which it's entrenched means uh, suggests. Um, that they're going to try to find all sorts of ways to circumvent the spirit, if not letter, of this ruling. So um, it's a fight certainly will remain engaged in. Um, nonetheless, yesterday was a big deal. It was a great, um, uh, you know, a great day for constitutional jurisprudence and a great day for a fair America um, and a great, uh, I don't want to say first step because it's much bigger than that, but uh, given sort of the, the, the entrenched interests with this DEI stuff, um, there will be subsequent battles to fight. I'm quite certain about that. Anyhow, uh, we should all just uh, rub success all over ourselves because it's nice to see the Supreme <laughs> Court <laughs> making a decision like that. Let's, let's move to uh, Biden's entrenchment and Bidenomics. What are your thoughts? <laughs> well, indeed. So on Wednesday, the president gave a speech in Chicago in which he tried to, you know, this, this Bidenomics term, it was invented by the Wall Street Journal editorial page. I mean, it's meant to be a slight, yeah. um, but the president tried to own it, tried to turn it into uh, what his aides are calling the cornerstone of his 2024 campaign. Um, and, you know, in this speech, so what is Bidenomics? Um, he pointed to uh, spending on industrial subsidies, spending on infrastructure, and spending on student loans. Um, so if you'll if you'll note the commonality there, it was all spending, yeah. um, which of course gets to the big criticism with Bidenomics, um, that being inflation. Um, and this is I'm gonna this is a statistic that was in yesterday's Wall Street Journal, um, but it's that according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, this is the Biden administration itself. Real hourly earnings have fallen 3.16 percent during the Biden administration. You know, again, that's due to that inflation, due to all that spending. So. Um, to the extent that Biden intends to make this the cornerstone of his 2024 campaign, um, I'm all for it. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm for it, too, because I think it's going to lead to his demise or the party's demise. But I think Indeed. he also I think he also highlighted uh, uh, expansion of unions, welfare, expansion of welfare. I mean, we were talking about uh, taking away the incentive of people to make America great again, if you will. Uh, in other words, it's, it's kind of, his whole point of view is counter to uh, the decision that was made yesterday by the Supreme Court. Uh, I could not agree more, um, and your point is well taken. I'll note it evokes, if you recall, during the Obama administration, the life of Julia, when they came out with that sort of mini cartoon campaign about uh, you know a, a woman who, in essence, was subsidized or you know somehow privileged by government subsidies throughout her entire life. Um, that was some seven years ago, and that's an aside. But no, I agree 100%. Yes, it wasn't just the spending. It was these progressive ideals writ large, which, again, are antithetical towards true economic growth. Absolutely. Before I let you go, any comments at all about the uh, Biden crime family escapades and what's going on right now? There's some uh, contradictions among uh, people's position on this that are pretty important, and, and I'll include um, Garland in that. Indeed, the highest levels of government. And, and there's been a great deal of news about this, but just briefly, um, someone's lying. Um, you know, uh, according to this whistleblower who's gone on the record, Gary Shipley, who was a 14-year veteran at the IRS, and this has been corroborated um, by a second whistleblower. And he says he has four other witnesses, but Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss um, told them all that he was, in essence, blocked from pursuing um, serious charges against Senator Biden by the higher-ups in the Biden administration, by political appointees. Uh, A.G. Garland, or Attorney General Garland, as you intimated, um, he flatly said that's not the case. So someone is lying. Um, now, fortunately, we've got multiple House committees, Ways and Means, and Oversight and Government Reform. They're looking into this. They've got substantial investigatory powers, uh, plenary investigatory powers. So we'll get to the bottom of this, but I'll be honest with you, um, given you know what Shipley has said, given that it's corroborated, um, it, it certainly seems to put uh, Attorney General Garland in some hot water. He could be impeached. We'll stay tuned. <laughs> it's going to be very <laughs> interesting. William Yatman, again, Senior Legal Fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. I believe the website is pacificlegal.org. Pacific, yes, it is. Pacificlegal.org. William, always appreciate your well-informed commentary. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Timothy Head. He is the executive director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Coming off a real big conference, going to be doing that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratuscale Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. Zudi Jasser. He is the founder and president of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy. Right now, we have with us Timothy Head. He's the executive director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Timothy, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thanks so much for having us this morning. Uh, indeed. I, well, it was just a real pleasure to hear about the success of the conference that you had in Washington, D.C. Lots of news about it. But maybe to, let's start off by maybe you could tell us about the Faith and Freedom Coalition. You bet. Well, uh, we, uh, we're a relatively new organization. This is about our 14th year. Uh, we're based in Atlanta, Georgia, but have an, an office in Washington, D.C. that we lobby the, uh, uh, the halls of Congress. And then we're also in, uh, in about 25 state capitals across the country. And we work on, uh, one, one of the ways we sometimes say it is uh, we work on, biblic- on, uh, on public policy, uh, a biblical worldview within a constitutional framework, Hmm. And uh, you know our, our our job is basically to try to uh, try to give uh, people of faith a voice in government, uh, in in state government in Washington D.C., and uh, try to champion issues that uh, we work a lot on on uh, the pro life question. We do a lot on uh, marriage and family issues, religious liberty, the Israel, but also things like school choice and education, the justice system, human trafficking, and immigration. So we uh, we cover quite a bit. Of uh, of ground, but uh, you know we we feel like that uh, it's important for us to have a uh, a a concise, consolidated uh, voice around uh, those issues in uh, in legislative uh, arenas, like in D.C. and in Tallahassee. Absolutely, I'm looking at the website. I believe it's ffcoalition.com. That's uh, that's exactly it. Uh, it's uh, www.ffcoalition.com, and uh, people can certainly find us on. Uh, you know, Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram. We uh, we uh, have have uh, content on social media as well. So, uh, Timothy, tell us about uh, your conference, the Road to Majority Policy Conference, that was uh, hosted this past. I think it was this past week in Washington D.C. That's right. It was uh, last Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So every year we uh, we meet somewhere for uh, uh, the first uh, ten years. I guess we were in D.C. Uh, in the 2020 shutdowns, we uh, we kind of t- took things on on the road. So we were in Atlanta, in, uh, Georgia, in 2020, in Orlando, Florida, there in 2021, in Nashville, Tennessee, in 2022. Uh, but it generally goes for about three days. And uh, this this uh, last weekend, we had a total of almost 70 speakers. 
Uh, had about 50 on the main stage, and we had another 25 or so that uh, that were in breakout sessions. That uh, uh, you know, we heard from uh, this this year. We wound up with 12 of the president of the Republican uh, announced presidential candidates uh, came to to talk about you know some of their own personal story as well as you know where they stand on various public policies. And so uh, you know, uh, I, I guess the the big headliners there were probably. Uh, President Donald Trump and Governor Ron DeSantis, but also heard from you know Nikki Haley came uh, came by and Mike Pence came by and uh, Tim Scott, you know the senator from South Carolina came by and a number of others. It was a really uh, lively time, uh, and so uh, you know uh, I guess uh, Chris Christie, the former governor of New Jersey, was uh, got some headlines because he uh, he got you know, had had, a, had some had some choice words uh, about President Trump that some of the uh, crowd didn't necessarily agree with, and so uh, they kind of let him know. And yeah. you know, but that's that's kind of the beauty of a conference is uh, you know you don't know exactly how things are going to unfold. That's exactly right. Well, it seems to me uh, just from the outside looking in that uh, well, first of all, I think uh, President Trump received more time than most of the other candidates, but he was just really won the day in terms of his speech uh, to the attendees. Well, uh, I think, uh, you know, it, it certainly is. Uh, he has uh, a pretty strong uh, uh, resume. His his four years from, from 2016 or 2017, when he took office until 2020, uh, you know, look, I mean, he was he was uh, certainly a, uh, a resounding success from uh, from I think a lot of the pro-life voters uh, from a public policy standpoint. Obviously, the Supreme Court, uh, he, he tipped uh, tipped the scales there and. And uh, and then of course they delivered a year ago uh, for a lot of uh, pro-life voters that have been waiting for this uh, for Roe versus Wade to be uh, basically kind of uh, reconstituted back to the states, and that's exactly what the Supreme Court did. And and uh, you know certainly he talked about that a lot at the conference, and uh, I think that he deserves uh, a huge uh, amount of credit for that. Of course the the, the Senate uh, played a played a lar- large role as well in that, but. Um, uh, you know, I think that uh, he also talked about his his pro-Israel um, uh, public policy victories and and things around religious liberty and a number of other things. So, look, I mean, he he has a strong resume now, and and um, I think that um, at this point, pretty much uh, pretty much everybody knows it, whether you you uh, are for those issues or are not necessarily a faith voter and may may not like it. I think at this point, most people are aware of it at least. Absolutely. So, uh, Timothy, what do you what are your main takeaways from the conference? Well, you know, I think one of the again having twelve uh, candidates, uh, it's an interesting dynamic because you know I think a lot of folks in in the media and maybe on the political left uh, see it as as maybe chaotic or or uh, you know fractured or fissured some, somehow. But uh, but from our perspective, we think uh, we think that competition and uh, you know a, a number of voices with slightly different perspectives or, or at least uh, different ways to articulate things I think that's a healthy thing it's a good thing it provides uh, some kind of uh, dimension I guess you could say yep. you know to uh, to the, the the whole kind of center right uh, discussion and movement and then on top of that honestly I, I think it's a refining process for people to have to kind of defend their positions and um, you know, and and, uh, and and ultimately, I think it makes uh, makes everybody better. I, I think, uh, in, in the manner of speaking, it kind of raises the water level of the harbor. And from our perspective, all the all the kind of uh, boats or ships rise when the water level uh, rises in the harbor. So I think that's a good thing. I think it is too, and I, also is a, a message to uh, the politicians, I think, and to candidates that uh, you you better not take the evangelical voter for granted. Well, of course not. I mean, I think uh, I think uh, some people kind of lose sight that uh, that it's at uh, at this point, uh, right around seventy percent of the Republican <clears throat> Republican voting base uh, identify with uh, with some sort of faith, and so most of those are evangelicals or what we call faithful Catholics, people that go to, go to mass maybe a couple times a month. Uh, and look, I mean, those those uh, biblical values and uh, and a Christian worldview. Uh, are still a huge, huge part of this. This remains the largest single portion uh, of the American electorate. About 35, 36 percent of the electorate are either uh, uh, conservative evangelical or conservative Catholic voters. And um, and and so, you know, again, not not just for the Republican primary, but for the entire electorate. Uh, that's that's about 35 percent of uh, of of all American voters. 
which is you know it's still larger than the than the uh, labor labor union uh, vote the you know LGBT vote the um, you know uh, the minority populations combined uh, so this is a huge huge portion of the electorate and uh, like if you ignore it you kind of ignore it to your own political peril. Absolutely. I must say, I'm very impressed with the fact you've been around for 14 years, and yet you put together a conference that had that many attendees. How many How many people attended? Yeah, I had, uh, had over a couple, uh, just over 2,000 folks uh, wow. joined us. Uh, and so we were at the Washington Hilton uh, uh, last weekend, and uh, we'll, we'll be there in the exact same location next year, uh, same, uh, same weekend. So you know, more than happy to to uh, kind of be in touch with you throughout the year, and hopefully we can uh, we can get some folks from South Florida to come on up and uh, and visit with us in uh, late June of 2024. All right. Well, for our listeners right now, visit the website ffcoalition.com. Ffcoalition.com. You know, Timothy, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course, it's a pleasure to be with you always, and God bless. God bless you as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Dr. Zudi Jasser. Dr. Jasser, I met him, gosh, how many years has it been? About 12, 15 years ago uh, here in Naples, and I befriended him. He's been a great guest on the show ever since. He is the founder and president of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy. He's written a great book. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. We get the politics and know the policies. We help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in legislatures. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Dr. Zudi Jasser. He is the founder and president of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy and the author of a terrific read, A Battle for the Soul of Islam, an American Islam's Patriot's Fight to Save His Faith. Uh, Dr. Jasser, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for joining us. It's always great to be with you, Bob. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, indeed. Tell us about the American Islamic Forum for Democracy. Well, we're a think tank that uh, was formed in 2003 after 9-11, and uh, we are focused on Islamic reform. We felt that terrorism, whether it was al-Qaeda in 9-11 or ISIS through the uh, uh, Middle East uh, uh, uprisings that came up, 
is uh, not only anti-American, anti-freedom, uh, but they really come from a root cause of a pre-modern uh, uh, Islam that needs to be reformed. And we believe that the best way for reform for those of us who love our faith but have uh, uh, been able to practice it freely here in America is to counter political Islam or the Islamic State concept as we see in Iran, as we see with the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt, uh, uh, the Jamaat Islami in Pakistan. So all these theocratic movements represent the root cause that inspires radical Islam and terrorism. And whether they're committing acts of terror or not, the ascendancy of major Islamic theocratic states is a huge existential threat to the West. And, and certainly um, Muslims need to lead that fight. And that's where our, what our foundation, that's what our work does. It's not only our American Islamic Forum for Democracy, but the Muslim Reform Movement uh, that's growing. And we also have a clarity coalition of non-Muslim anti-jihad uh, uh, leaders that have uh, been working together now in the last uh, few years. That's so much with with the absence of uh, terror, terroristic attacks, uh, attacks and Islamic jihad here in the United States. Does that mean that you're making progress, or, or does it mean that we're just in a quiet period? Well, that's a great question. I think part of it is is a result that uh, you know President Trump decimated uh, ISIS, so. Uh, they really, uh, there has been some uh, regrouping of ISIS in, in places like Somalia and elsewhere. Uh, the other thing is I think some of the Arab regimes, uh, Saudi Arabia has finally uh, stopped fueling uh, radical Islam as far as the Islamist uh, viral movements are concerned. Hmm. That doesn't make them great reformers, but it's, it's the fact that they've uh, taken a far more uh, firm approach to them. Uh, but having said that, uh, sometimes... Uh, you know, terrorism is one tactic, so they're doing other tactics, uh, and those tactics can include civilizational uh, synergies, and, uh, you know, I'm concerned that uh, here in the West, for example, we're seeing uh, some Islamist groups that are uh, antithetical to conservative movements are actually working with conservatives, uh, um, I think, to the ignorance of some of my conservative friends in, in some of the, what I call, what I call the family values movements that I love, but yet they're approaching it from an anti-gay, anti-transgender area, and you'll see Islamists advancing in Detroit, in New Jersey, in Seattle, and uh, I, I'm concerned that we're not really looking what are the ways that they look at America. They're not uh, talking about radical Islam. They're not talking about the need to reform, but simply that they uh, don't want to give voice to the uh, gay community, which is not should not be our only litmus test. So interesting, Dr. Jasser. So uh, one question, of course, is we've got open borders right now, and I think anybody's coming in that seems to want to at this point. We know that there's been an increase in Chinese, but I'm wondering, are we seeing an increase, do you think, of uh, Islamic uh, terrorists or Islamic jihad, people coming in across the border? Is that a threat? Um, very much so. Homeland Security actually has <clears throat> highlighted a few, a few times uh, the Committee on Homeland Security at the, at the House has highlighted that a few times. They they have a uh, uh, statistical, uh, you know, analysis that they've done. And uh, last year they noted that there were 66, and I think it's up to 100 now, of folks that are listed on the watch list, the terror watch list, that have been allowed to cross, and uh, cross without anyone really batting an eye. And these are folks we've known for a long time that Hezbollah which is the Shia radical Islamist uh, terrorist group, uh, has been working closely with the drug cartels in uh, Mexico and in, uh, south of our border. And we know what the drug cartels are doing now as they grow exponentially with the bringing in of various uh, illegal drugs, uh, most notably fentanyl, in unbelievable quantities. And that is linked directly to folks that are on the terror watch list that are working with Hezbollah and other radical Islamist elements. And, you know, when you know that there's 66 identified last September that were labeled, that are known on that list, there's got to be a lot more yeah. that are coming through. And this is not a surprise, as you and I have talked before. The uh, were thought to be 20% of the immigrants into Europe, where there was a million in Germany and Few million in Turkey, etc., that came out of Syria and elsewhere, had sympathy for.
before ISIS's movement. So yeah. I'm sure within that's going to be a significant number of militants, and Europe has has seen uh, a, a significant need for, for furthering and bolstering their terror oper- anti-terror operations. You know, uh, I'd like to highlight a couple of things. Uh, first of all, you uh, p- published a documentary, I think it was on uh, YouTube, if I'm not mistaken, but it's called uh, The Third Jihad. It is a great, it's not, uh, at least an hour long, but the point being it is just well produced and it's got lots of great information about the threat that we have here in the United States. It's called The Third Jihad. And then the other thing is your book, uh, A Battle for the Soul of Islam, uh, is just a, a a great uh, read. I've, I personally read the book. I would appreciate your transparency and uh, revealing your faith, and but it really helps get an eye into uh, the the life of uh, uh, people who want to live freely in America and, and respect the Constitution, but also in the faith of Islam. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, it's been a, a work of passion, but you know, I do this not really because of my faith, but because I think America's Security is going to be dependent on American Muslims who really get it, who are here because of Americanism, but yet we reject Islamism. So you can be a pietistic, faithful Muslim and not adhere to theocratic Islam. Now, there's going to have to be obviously some uh, humility and, and contrition and openness and transparency about the need to reform. And, you know, I think the world, as we settle down in this post-COVID pandemic, is dividing into sort of a triangulation. Uh, on one point is the West's uh, secular liberal democracies, that we are the leaders of the free world. But the other two points are, one is uh, Russia and China's uh, uh, fascistic, uh, you know, mafioso-type uh, uh, regimes. And yeah. the, uh, the third is all the Islamist regimes. And, you know, both of the heads of the two other heads of this triangle are trying to destroy us. And, you know, in my book, A Battle for the Soul of Islam, I talk about the narrative that we need. And as we see now, the woke uh, culture of wokeism, in which the far left is working so closely with the Islamists, they're, they're turning such a blind eye and empowering our enemies that it is, it's not just about wokeism, it's it's about all those that really see America as the problem rather than the solution. Yeah. And within my own faith, I see American ideology as the solution. I wouldn't know how to reform Islam if I hadn't grown up in a country in which, ah, there's a separation of church and state. There's no establishment of the church through government, but rather we're under God, not under the Church of England. And the American Revolution has a lot to teach Muslims of what real revolution should be as we go through that, and that's what my book is about. The Third Jihad talks about the fact that, really, the the, the goal of a lot of Islamist groups around the world is to push in this third wave into the West. They've had two waves of expansion of Islam globally. The third wave is this civilizational wave through immigration. They have basically an Islamic evangelical movement to, to, to build mosques and do other things, not just for religious freedom, but rather as political entities. And right now, for example, in America, the biggest threat is Turkey. Turkey claims to be a democracy, and yet they've built multiple uh, of the largest, most expensive mosques. There's a $10, $12 million mosque in Baltimore that was built that uh, is is basically getting sermons from Erdogan's regime in in Istanbul and broadcasting them in America. and uh, I guarantee you American interests are the last thing on their list, and yet nobody from Congress on seems to be concerned that we have Islamist entities that are imprisoning journalists, imprisoning professors in Turkey, that are facilitating groups like Hamas, ISIS, and others, and it's not on the radar. And That's why I think this work is so important. People should look at that documentary, like you said. It's the third jihad. It's available free on YouTube now for people to look at. And even though it's over a decade old, it is as relevant as ever right now. Well, thank you for that. Again, Dr. Zudi Jasser, I highly recommend A Battle for the Soul of Israel. I hope you'll take a look at it, as well as uh, the video, uh, the documentary, the, the Third Jihad. Doctor, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. 
Anytime. Thanks so much, Bob. It's great to talk to you. You as well. Thank you, Doctor. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Dr. Larry Bell, Professor Larry Bell, uh, author and uh, professor and endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and writes this column for Newsmax.com. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round, Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. By the way, hearing the uh, Blue Provence commercial reminds me that Blue Provence was just awarded. Uh, it's now one of the top 100 wine cellars in the world. And I inc- encourage you to get reservations and go to dinner, but also check out their wine selection. Just absolutely fantastic. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, and author of many books, his latest my Life Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design by Larry Bell. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Um, it's always a pleasure to be on. Thank you so much. Thank you, Professor. So you uh, wrote your column for Newsmax.com, your latest, Why So Many Joe Biden Contacts with Hunter's Connections? Question mark. Maybe you could tell us about it. You know, we're seeing a lot of news coming out. <clears throat> I, guess, I guess it's news because you know, I've been writing about it for some time, and a lot of this is really not news, but it seems like it's been forgotten regarding uh, some really uh, dangerous ties that the Biden family has with China and oligarchs and other other countries. But right now the emphasis is largely on China with with huge, literally huge payments of tens of millions of dollars to the Biden family when he was Vice President, or money that flowed after, shortly after he was Vice President, and uh, and and what makes this particularly uh, uh, ominous? Who has the word we want to use? Is that a lot of these people that he's connected with and companies are are really associated or or linked to the Communist Party mm-hmm. in China, and and um, to the point of Hunter. You know, this the CEFC organization that, you know, where the 10% for the big guy and all this other stuff where, uh, you know, people associated with that, that company are very uh, worse than seditious backgrounds. Some of them have been convicted for for crimes, again, you know, economic crimes and, and 
trading with Iran and so on. And then, and Hunter had actually arranged for office keys for uh, for one of these company officials in Washington. There was, he was going to have an interim office and and got office keys for not only this this individual, one of these individuals, but also the shared office with Joe Biden and Joe Biden and Jim Biden and, and himself. So, so this really raised the question of, you know, we, we know that a lot of this stuff has been exposed on Hunter's laptop, which the FBI held for nearly a year before the election. But some of these dealings are so obvious and this, this uh, claiming that he didn't know about this stuff is, is bordering on ridiculous because, yeah. uh, you know, this has been his meetings with, with Hunter's business associates and there's, and there's many of them. And, uh, and, and many of these associates are, are foreigners, including, you know, people from, you know, the husband of the, of the, you know, the former mayor of Moscow that, and his wife who, uh, gave Hunter a contract for three and a half million dollars and, and but there's many others that are even larger sums of money and uh the you know the the meetings are documented you know yeah white house logs and and from hunter's di hunter's diary and so on so i think a lot of this stuff is is finally uh coming out uh some of us knew, and you know the the thing about the shakedown with Hunter shaking down this you know, Chinese executive for <laughs> obviously for money. He, you know, this five point one million dollars flowed a few days after that phone call, where he said his father was sitting with him in the room, and they better re reconcile this and call him that evening, and so on. So there's so much evidence, and and. And uh, what what I think is really troubling, and I have an article today that's coming out, how it, it shows that our intelligence services, if they knew they knew this, yeah, clearly they must have known it. If they didn't, they're the only ones that didn't. Um, you know, this is a sad state of uh, American security. And what's so interesting is that uh, he was meeting with Modi and uh, Tim Cook and others uh, in the White House, and he said, just said out loud, I've been giving secrets, uh, very important secrets to, to other foreign governments. I mean, and I'm sure it was like, I'm sure it was not planned, but nevertheless, he said it. And, I, you know, it's, he's a... Uh, he did that also during the election. He says, "Look, we're going to cheat in this election to win the election, and I hope uh, I hope you support me afterwards." I don't know if you recall that, but so, sometimes he has moments of clarity and honesty, and otherwise, when he's lying, just about most of the time. Well, I don't even care what I really don't care what Joe Biden says. Yeah, you know, what what he says to me is really irrelevant. Uh, <clears throat> he's, he's been a liar all of his life, and yep. he lied about. His college background. He lied about uh, so many things. He plagiarized speeches and and claimed he you know met with Mandela when he was in prison, or you know, and, and on and on and on. And so Joe, Joe Biden is a general liar, and that's that's no that's no secret. And so they try to pass it off and say, well, you know, he just you know goofs up. No, he doesn't goof up. He lies. Yeah, and and. Uh, this you know, and then when he gets caught, he gets angry. Yeah, I think we saw. You know, he's going to have to. You know, he's going to have to. You know, and clearly, clearly, the Secret Service knows if he was with Hunter. Yeah. On the on the evening of that phone call. Right. You know, so you know, the Secret Service knows this. Uh, you can't you can't hide things like that forever, and and we're seeing I think more and more emboldened whistleblowers that are coming out like. The ones with IRS, but also FBI, because they're uh, they, they're disoffended by what's happened to this country, and and you can you can believe that they will be called. You know, Tony Bobulinski is going to be called before before the House Oversight Committee. James Comer said that yesterday. That's great. And he's got, he, 
he's got all this stuff that they've been trying to hold back on, and and this and Chinese energy companies, EFC, and the the kickbacks and the money for the for the for the for, you know, for the big guy and so on. I think it's I think the dam is going to break. You know, I keep uh, I I don't know how the press can hold this back. He's but I'm starting to get questions right now. Yeah. And, and that's an encouraging sign. It is indeed. Again, uh, from your lips to God's ear, we can only hope so. Again, Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston, author of many books. Also this, or discussing his column, On Point, which you'll find at Newsmax.com. I hope you'll check it out. Professor, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Bob, thanks for the opportunity. Always appreciate it. Thank you, Professor. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests lined up for Monday as well. I hope you tune in. If you enjoy the show, I hope you tell your friends. That's one of the ways we get the word out and support our advertisers. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>